Dr. Jane. How are you this morning? I'm fine, Anna. It's nice to be with you again. It's great to see you. You know, to be honest with you, I was a little nervous about our conversation today about loss and grief. I personally have had gone through a lot of loss throughout my life, and I know firsthand how painful and life-changing a loss can be. It's such a, a difficult process to go through, and I know that we all go, have to go through it at some time. We all handle loss and grief so differently. And during this pandemic, so many of us are dealing with many different forms of loss. You're right, Anna. My own history of loss really began in early in my career. You know, I hadn't had much dealings with loss. First job out of graduate school was at a local hospital. So I was being called as a psychologist very often to bedsides or to be with families, you know, of dying patients. And I was also at the time teaching death and dying at the local medical school. So here I was with very, very young medical students who themselves hadn't had much exposure to death and dying. And so we were really learning together uh, what this all meant. And we were using at the time Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's Five Stages of Grief, which was developed in 1969 and really was the hallmark of grief work at the time. Later research and, and really brought out new processes of grief, new processes of, of grief work, I should say. And some of those were really very, very different because they did not have the linear stage model that Kubler-Ross used. One in particular that was, was very helpful for me was grief recovery, which was developed by two non-professionals who, although they honored Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's work, said you know, grief is very, very subjective, and a lot of it depends on what has happened in the past and whether or not there have been past grievances and past grief resolved, and that that all plays into a current grief. And at the time that I was studying this and training in it, I was, um, uh, I was um, still working at a general hospital, but my father was ill, and his health was failing, and he died during this process. And it was enormously helpful to me to look at the past, resolve past grievances and resolve past grief so that I could really move through the process with his death. Yes, you know, sometimes I think it would really be nice if some instructions would be offered because no one tells us how to grieve or that it is a life experience that is natural. And some people can find value in it. You're absolutely right. Our culture as a whole is very fearful of the full expression of emotions, period. But grief in particular, because it really puts us in touch with impermanence of life, our own mortality. So our culture tends to cultivate certain um, structures and certain um, cliches even that allow us to have a distance from that true impact of the intensity of the emotions. You know, it's about being strong, keeping the lid on, getting a grip. I remember going through the, my own grieving process a few years ago and my husband died and people would say to me, oh, Jane, you're so strong. Like that was a virtue. And yet on the inside, I was thinking to myself, oh, if you only knew, I'm coming apart here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what happens when we follow cultural direction and not express our grief? Well, with unexpressed unexpe grief, 
like any unexpressed emotion, um, it really causes a disconnect, first from ourselves and then from others. And there's also a disconnect from really those kind of heartfelt emotions, you know, empathy and compassion, self-compassion. Uh, try as may, we may, we cannot avoid grief, you know, um, not just of loved ones, but grief throughout our lives uh, because it puts us in touch with the impermanence of everything in life, everything that we've known as we've known it. It's all changing. It's yeah. all impermanent. Well, I know that, yes, I know I became in touch with my own mortality when my brother passed away at such a young age. Dr. Jane, can we discuss some of our uh, personal sensitivities that people may have? Yes, yes. First of all, I think the, the, the important piece is to know that it is very subjective. It depends on our personal interpretation of the loss, personal interpretation, you know, around the emotions that the loss tends to be um, uh, moving into. So this is fueled by our accumulative history, our experience, our families, our communities, our religions, um, values and beliefs all play into this. Past traumas all contribute to personal sensitivities. Yeah, this makes total sense on why everyone has their individual sensitivities. Can we discuss the different categories of, of loss and grief? Yes, probably the, the, the broadest category of grief is complicated and non-complicated grief. And the, the non-complicated grief very often is that individual who's somehow given what they're going through and, and their own personal experiences and their interpretation are able to move through the loss process and the grief process. The complicated grief tends to be um, those individuals who, for a myriad of reasons, tend to get stuck, tend to not be able to move through the grief. Sometimes that's because it is overwhelming. Sometimes it's because they are trying to avoid it or a combination of both. But then there are also other categories of grief that are individual types of grief. Typically, you know, the one that we think of most often is death of a loved one or death of a friend or a significant other. You know, these are specific categories of loss, death of a pet. So it's that death of that, that person place, you know, that we were really attached to. And so with this, there's also the grief of what might have been. So someone might lose a parent and it's not just the loss of the parent, but it's also the loss of maybe a relationship that had never developed you know, or something that we had wished we had done with that particular loved one that we really never were able to get to. So a lot of disappointment in that as well. You know, moving to a new place, whether it's a geographical move or um, a move to, uh, you know, a position within a company, you know, there's a certain grief that goes with that as we leave something that is familiar and some certainty and move into more unfamiliar, uncertain kinds of places. Divorce is another category of grief. Uh, very often that isn't really expressed and moved through productively, especially if there's been high conflict in the divorce. But again, it's, it's the loss of what was initially a dream and a promise in moving into uncertainty. And then there's also loss of employment. And certainly we've seen this throughout the pandemic where people have lost jobs 
or um, have had to move into different categories within their employment. So there is, again, that loss of one's identity, the certainty, the familiarity, the connections that we had within that environment. All of this plays into the grief process. Dr. Jean, these are all changes where you let something go. That's right. Now I'm wondering about changes where there is a new beginning. Well, yes. You know, things like uh, beginning uh, a new school year or going to a new school or graduating and moving into a new piece of one's life, a new part of one's life. Uh, this, is, this is always a question of where do I fit in? How do I belong here? You know, and then we also have, you know, um, those rites of passage, which are very often endings and beginnings, like graduations, like weddings, you know, that those are those parts of the movement through one's life history into different chapters of one's life. They're also aging. Aging can be a grief process because it's the loss of, you know, one's multiple kinds of, of parts, you know, in our lives, whether it be our strength, our, our endurance, you know, yes. knowing that we are moving toward limitations. I remember years ago, people talking about aging gracefully. And I thought, what does that mean? And yet it really is being able to be in that loss mm -hmm. of the way it used to be and embracing where we are, no matter what age we are, no matter what limitations we happen to have. You know, and then there's also the loss of, of health, you know, major health issues, major diagnoses also present a real hit as far as loss and, loss and can be, you know, a grief process, really longing for the way things used to be. Also financial changes. You know, certainly when people go through losses in their finances, in their security, there's a grief process attached to that as well. Yeah. What about holidays? I know this is very difficult time for most people. I, I know it was for me and my family. Oh, Anna, this is a classic time of grief. And even though it is, is perceived and framed as a time of celebration very often, the missing pieces, the missing parts, the missing people are very often significant in the, the emotions of the people who are gathering together. So along with this, there can be also Holidays can present a disappointment of it's never quite what I thought it would be. Sometimes for some people, there are unpleasant memories or there are family issues that tend to arise every holiday. So, you know, that plays into it. But other categories include things like loss of identity, you know, retirement, um, job change. Empty nest is another one that's a significant loss. Again, a loss of roles, a loss of identity all plays into that grief process of really finding ourselves in a totally different chapter of life and longing for the way things used to be. Yeah. These are more traditional life changes that we just, you just spoke about. I know there are special conditions of grief. Can we discuss a few of those? Yeah. Yes, Anna. The three special conditions um, that I find most frequently are loss of a child, suicide and trauma. Um, first of all, with loss of a child, I mean, people have often expressed to me that it's a wound that never heals. And I believe it has to do with the fact that, you know, in, in having a child, there is that 
that presence of such great love and such great fear in feeling, feeling so totally responsible for the child. So the loss is very, very complicated for most. Very, 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 very hard to find the kind of support that one needs to really progress through the grief process. And oftentimes reaching acceptance isn't something that, that comes easily, quickly, sometimes ever. Mm. And then when we talk about suicide again, there are so many unanswered questions that come with one's um, knowing someone and being close to someone who has committed suicide. There's also uh, you know, questions of, did I do enough? How, how didn't I know? Could I have prevented it? So there's a quality of guilt very often that goes along in the grief process. And it's, it's enormously difficult. And again, for many, it's a wound that just really never heals. And then we have trauma. And the trauma can be loss in wartime, whether that be on the, on the battlefield or uh, survivors of the battlefield or the families of the survivors of the battlefield. Very often there's, there's um, a lot of guilt involved with that. You know, again, did I do enough? Did I, you know, could I have prevented this in some way? A myriad of, of pieces to that. But also under the whole complicated um, uh, grief of trauma are things like people who have experienced assault, um, natural disasters. You know, how can I go on? How can I go on uh, when others weren't able to as a survivor's guilt? You know, I survived the natural disaster or the assault or the incident. How is it that I'm here? My life will never be the same. And so it's hard to find closure very often. Hard yeah, to find I, can, I can see where these would definitely be complicated conditions of, of grief. It's just so, um, just so sad. It would be so difficult to move on and, and hard to find closure, like you said. Mm-hmm. I know it would just totally disrupt one's life. I just can't even, you know, well, I can't imagine, but this also has me wondering about the um, continuation of this pandemic and a huge amount of grief and loss that people are experiencing right now. Oh, Anna, you're absolutely right. There's the, the loss of loved ones. You know, people have died from the virus. Um, family members are not able to be with their loved ones on their deathbeds uh, or, or even through the illness very often. And so it's enormously difficult for people. Yeah, I know. I uh, Funerals have been postponed. You know, a lot of funerals have been postponed. And also I've watched live stream funerals from, you know, for, for fa- family members and a couple of my our friends. So it's so sad not to be able to be present. It is. And it also really disrupts the process of grief that can sometimes move us to some closure or acceptance. You know, part of part of the whole ritual of memorial services and funerals is about people coming together who knew the deceased, coming together for support and in some ways celebrating their life so that we can move to closure. Uh, But families are unable to gather or even visit. And then there's also a piece that comes out of this, Anna, and that is fear of loss of loved ones. Will my my dear ones, you know, uh, contract the virus? And there's a heightened sensitivity around that. You know, whom among us will survive this pandemic? 
has kept us all in prolonged stress, as we've talked about in previous episodes, and it heightens our, our stress and our sensitivity. Yeah, Dr. Jana, I know earlier that we spoke briefly about individual sensitivities. Would someone's history trigger past loss? Often. Often the triggers of, of past grief and loss um, will trigger new sensitivities and, and new emotions or really kind of bring old emotions out in, in um, even more intensity. And, and oftentimes it's unfinished, unfinished business or I really wasn't able to fully be with the grief process in the past. So along with this, there are um, a myriad of things that we experience, you know, in our grief, a loss of trust, a loss of sense of safety. Very often people express a loss in trust of God, you know, a loss of dreams and how things were supposed to be, you know, the things that I invested in, you know, and imagine that we would be able to do or have or go to or what, yeah. So a lot of loss, a lot of sensitivity. Yeah, I know most of us really miss our daily routines. How about the loss of routines in everyday life? Well, the loss of routines, you know, lend the structure to our lives, the familiarity to our lives. And so it also impacts our, our sense of confidence. So very often people have, are losing confidence, certainly a sense of control. And again, a sense of future, you know, grieving what might have been and the sensitivity of um, the uncertainty. When will it ever be normal again? What, what, what are we even talking about when we're talking about normal? Right. I know people are craving getting back to their social connections and everyday activities. This is one of the, the, the areas that is most talked about with the people that I see. And the piece that's most missed is that social connections, the proximity, being able to be in that, you know, the proximity of someone else and feel into that, that human contact. You know, and as we said before, there are also the rites of passage, which also enter into these social connections and not being able to be together to support traditions, yeah. you know, and, and come together for those things that we really count on, the rituals in life. Yeah. There's also a, a sense of um, a loss of opportunity because we're so confined and we're so constricted. And so possibilities now seem to be, or our sense of possibilities now seem to be somewhat altered. Yeah, this has all been so incredibly challenging. Dr. Jane, can we go over some symptoms of loss and grief that, and, and what it may look like? Well, there's a whole laundry list, you know, starting with really a reduced ability to, to uh, pay attention and concentrate. Um, very often people are speaking of a numbness, just of, of being in this sensitivity and being confined. There's a shift in time orientation. For some people, it's like, where does the time go? And other people are, are uh, really expressing, you know, every day seems like an eternity, change in eating habits. One of the hallmarks is, you know, a sleep disturbance. And also this kind of emotional roller coaster clearly coming out of the sensitivity that all of this stress is creating within all of us. Increased alcohol and drug consumption. And then there's also um, a different kind of isolation and withdrawal where people are so hungry for the social connections, but because they can't have the proximity that really nourishes them, they tend to just kind of cut themselves off entirely. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know we've talked about anxiety, but you describe, you know, how this changes after a loss. Can you describe a little bit about how the anxiety changes in people after a loss? Well, very often it's intensified. It's intensified because in the loss is very often uncertainty. And so the fear piece within us tends to be stirred up and it's hard to keep the lid on that. And then there's the worry about self and others and how it's all going to play out. This can also move us into, because sometimes it's, it's hard to be in the fear, this can move us into kind of a defensiveness or an agitation that can look very, very angry. And yet other people move into clearly a you know, clear clinical kind of depression of just losing all interest in things that they've been interested in before, losing all sense of wanting to make any social connection really kind of disengaging from life. And along with this, a lot of indecisiveness. And that, again, that, that lack of dreams and goals. And it's like, we can't, we can't do it. It's not gonna be possible. When will it ever be the same again? How will I ever be able to do all the things that I really want to do? How does this play into our personal relationships? Well, what, what I find so interesting is because grief is so subjective that some people actually are finding themselves coming together more often and are really healing old wounds and healing old grievances. You know, so sometimes, you know, a, a, a critical situation like the prolonged stress that we're in in the pandemic, sometimes it can solidify, you know, our relationships. For other people, um, it's about it keeps the old wounds um, painful and allows us to keep a distance and very often plays into destructive behavior or uh, self-destructive behavior, you know? So it can work either way. There's that, and, and it it's sometimes isn't always predictable how some people will come together in pain and find a healing process. And for others, it merely, you know, widens the separation, widens the divide, and also the justification for the divide. Mm -hmm. Well, everything you just described is an example of what we're seeing, uh, you know, obviously on the outside. Um, Dr. Jane, what's going on on the inside during this whole process? Well, the, the, the subjective experience, again, it's kind of like fingerprints. No one, no one is alike. Although when you talk to people, they'll say, yeah, me too. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm feeling that. Yeah. But on a whole, it's like how we experience it is very, very personal. For many uh, grief is about feeling like they're drowning in sadness and sorrow. It really is a heartbreak. Yeah. And, and for many, because it's so overwhelming, move into not caring about anything. Nothing really matters. You know, that kind of proverbial kind of whatever, you know, is the thing that, that comes out. And this really comes out of feeling kind of trapped and helpless and hopeless. So there's in this kind of a negative bias and how I see the world is through lenses of negativity. Everything seems really kind of funky and wrong and, and negative. Um, wanting to trade my life in, you know, or really believing that life is over because it'll never be the same, you know, or that um, my life is over because I don't know how to do this. Yeah, if, if they're feeling this way on the inside, how can, they, how can they keep it all in? Well, very often they don't. There's a lot of acting out behavior right now um, because in stress, in prolonged anxiety and worry, the filters that we have that protect us from the negativity, it's kind of like it kind of becomes like a sieve 
So every negative aspect of life doesn't necessarily be ours. Things that we pick up on social media or the or news feeds or whatever, you know, they hit us. We take like a direct hit. So we're constantly being bombarded by it. And we want the world to stop. You know, yeah. it's like, don't do this to me, you know? And also the, the perception that I feel so horrible. How is everyone going on with their life? Yeah. Oh my goodness. I remember very vividly feeling that in this way. I'm sure there's probably a lot of resentment that comes with that. Clearly resentment, <laughs> you know, past grievances, unfinished business. Um, sometimes it was the, the, the person who is uh, lost, either the deceased or maybe the boss or coworker who moved away that kept the operation moving smoothly or kept the social connections really strong. And without them, very often the individuals kind of fall apart. You know, they kind of move away from each other. You know, this is a common report, you know, in, um, during this whole COVID pandemic, you know, working at home and missing the camaraderie of coworkers, bosses, people that we connected with on a daily basis very often that kind of kept, kept our lives in routines and, and, and moving together in unison. Yes, this is, this is difficult. I'm, I'm not surprised people want to avoid their emotions and no wonder it's hard to face their grief, you know. Um, let's, let's talk more in the next episode about why and how we avoid grief. I think that's a great idea, Anna, because there are specific barriers that we construct so that we don't feel the full expression of our grief. Mm -hmm. And yet there are also paths to healing. And that's the good news. Yes. That's the good news. Yeah, I can't wait for us to talk about that. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Jane. I'm looking forward to our next conversation for the good. See I am soon. as well, Anna. Thank you. See you soon. Bye now. Bye. Bye.